1: Pardon the interruption, but I'm Mike Wilbon. It's National Bird
2: Day, Tony. What's your favorite bird? Tony Kornheiser, I love Cardinals. I do, how about you? You love Cardinals? No, no. No? I'll go with Larry. Really? I'll go with Larry Joe. Larry Bird. I'm not going with that soup? other thing that you soup said. Bird. That other yeah. animal, garden thing. St. Louis Cardinal. What a great uh, team. No. What a great city. Yeah. What a great they tradition. Are, how they, are, a they, really they are, this year. Well, welcome to PTI, boys and girls. Steve Young will join us in a few minutes, but we begin today with encouraging news about DeMar Hamlin from the doctors who are treating him. Although Hamlin remains in critical condition, he has shown, and I'm quoting here, remarkable improvement. He has opened his eyes, he is gripping things. He even wrote a note asking who won the game. Wilbon, what are your thoughts about this news? Tony, I'm relieved. I am grateful. I'm, I'm thankful
1: to hear the news. I I never played a down of organized football in my life. I, 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 I didn't. I played a lot of other sports, including organized sports, never played football. But I've spent my entire adult life getting to know a great many, as you have, football players, knowing former football players, people who have suffered serious injuries, relatively speaking, during their careers. Some have been forced out of those football careers. And I found myself identifying more with them And their anguish and their pain and their concern and taking some of that on. And so as a result of what's happened over the last few days, I I feel grateful and relieved to get this news coming out of that that hospital in Cincinnati. And it just it's it's like, wow, um, this is maybe the first step toward really, really, really good news continuously.
2: Yeah, I, I like the word. I feel the same way as you do. I feel gratified that it appears that he's coming out of this. I know I was worried the other day when I read that he had to be resuscitated a second time. And I thought, well, that, that might not give us the outcome that we are looking for because you worry about oxygenation in the brain. You know, but to, but to find out that the doctors say that he is, and I want to get the words correctly, neurologically intact, I think that that's really good. I mean, it's way too early, obviously, to talk about whether or not he'll ever play football again. There's a long road to go, but, you know, you do... Think about Chris Pronger in hockey, and you do think about the Danish soccer player, and they both suffered cardiac circumstances and then went on to play again. I just think that you have to stress how rare it is for this to have happened to an athlete, to somebody in the NFL. And if there's any way that we can find to mitigate even the long odds that are out there now, some some small pad in some area of your chest, you know, that would be well worth looking into. But like you, I'm just happy. I'm happy that it looks like we're going to get a positive outcome and we move on. Amid the positive reports of their teammates' improvement, the Buffalo Bills practiced today in advance of their game Sunday against New England. Left undecided is how the NFL will treat the Bills-Bengals game that was suspended after Hamlin's injury. Reportedly, the NFL is seriously considering declaring that game a no-contest rather than resuming it potentially at the expense of starting the playoffs as scheduled. Wilma, what would you do? There's only one thing to do. You declare it a tie, or you just take their records and their
1: their percentages after 16 on a 16-game season. You're not going to be able to reschedule the whole playoffs for this game not being played. This is really simple. And then there shouldn't be any angst and a whole lot of discussion and a whole lot of programming. They're not going to resume this game or play it from the start. This game is done. And it should be.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So I can give you lots of reasons why it's unfair to declare it a no contest when you're looking at seedings and home fields and people being eliminated when they had nothing to do with this. But on the human side of this, Mike, you can't ask Buffalo and Cincinnati to play each other this week or next week. No. It's too painful. You can't do it. So regretfully, because I don't like this, regretfully, I agree that the, the no contest is better. Plus, if you have them, if, if they play in the playoffs down the road, so be it. But there's time to buy on that. Yes. This, you, you don't want to have this now, right? You just don't want to have this now. Too painful. No, Tony. You, first of all, just logistically, you can't have it. You're not going to move
1: all the people. People say, well, there's a bye week before the Super Bowl. Oh, yeah, but you got to do it before then. You'd have to have just these two teams. And these two teams are preparing now for their upcoming opponents. They have games this Sunday. So none of that is practical, and people need to stop talking about it and what the options are. There are no options. You're going to declare it a tie or just go on with 16 games and what the results are from that. Let's move to the NBA. Where notably, there was no player scoring 50, 60, or 70 points last night. The league has already had 14 games featuring someone scoring 50 or more and a season record tying six of 55 points or more, and we're not even at the halfway point of the season. Tony, what are yeah. you, who were around for Wilt's 100-point game, what do you right. make a player scoring as much as they have been?
2: Thanks for mentioning Wilt, because I want to make a I comment about Wilt. Look, I get up in the morning, I get up in the morning, I open the paper, and I look at the box scores. I've been doing this for a 1,000 years. I turn on SportsCenter, and I look at the highlights, and I'm amazed by how many people are scoring 50 or more. In the NBA, after Wilt was done, you could go a whole season and nobody would score 50. If you scored 50, there was a parade in the street for you. And now everybody is scoring 50. I have statistics that are, to me, mind-blowing, okay? Since 1963, there have been no more than three players a year who have averaged 30 or more since 1963. Right now, there are six, and LeBron and Donovan Mitchell are at 29. All right? Just 10 years ago, in 2013, the average score by a team in a game was 99 points. 10 years later, it's 113.2. Mike, it's, it's out of control, and it cheapens the game. No, it doesn't, Tony. And I'm a defense
1: guy. The leagues, all leagues, the NHL scoring is at a 25-year-plus high. Basketball, 50-year-plus high. The NFL has people completing 75% of their passes when I think Joe Namath probably completed 53% of his. He's in the Hall of Fame. Theo Epstein, as we had as a guest, has been hired to improve the product. I'm going to credit you. Anthony Kornheiser, you said it's a television show. These things are all TV shows. And because that's the stream of revenue that matters, they all do this. They've legislated defense out of all the respective games in North America, not soccer, all the American culture games. They've all said, no, we want space. We want artistry. We want the beautiful scoring. That's the beautiful game. And so you get players who are more skilled than ever. They practice more than ever. I go to practices, Tony. They're not John Thompson and Hubie Browns and Pat Riley's practices anymore. They don't do that. It's a different day. I don't think it cheapens it. It's different, but it's pretty exciting, too. You ought to give it that, mister. It's a TV show.
2: It's 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 exciting. It's exciting. It is. Too many points. Let's take a break. When we come back, we will ask Steve Young for his reaction to the improvement in DeMar Hamlin's condition.
1: We'll also ask him how the sensitivities toward health and safety have changed since he entered the league. You know what my friend Jalen Rose says, Tony? He said there's two record books in the NBA. One for Wilt and one for everybody else. It's a great line. (laughs) That's right.
0: Can you remember the last time you had fun on a bike ride? Electric E-Bikes, the number one seller of e-bikes in America, is here to bring fun and joy back to biking. Their riders routinely say they feel like kids again riding these bikes, and one even said, quote, I'm a 46-year-old man and can honestly say I haven't had this much fun on a bike since I was 10 years old, Unquote. These e-bikes from Electric are fast, up to 28 miles per hour. They offer lightweight and foldable e-bikes, so you can easily take them on the go to explore national parks, campgrounds, and more. Even if you don't have a truck, trailer, or bike rack, many of their models will fit in the trunk of a car. They also offer long-range batteries that provide over 65 miles of range, so you can explore further and longer. Head over to electricebikes.com today and take their bike quiz to find a model that's perfect for your needs. That's L-E-C-T-R-I-C-E-B-I-K-S dot Ten seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships. Your skills. Shopify.com/network.
2: If you're just joining us, doctors say Bill's safety. DeMar Hamlin has made remarkable improvement, and even wrote a note asking who won the game. So now let's bring in our great friend, Hall of Fame quarterback Steve Young. And the first thing I want to do is ask you to react to the news of what appears to be
3: significant improvement overjoyed uh we recognize that this is a long road but the idea that he's conscious and that he's gonna hopefully heal more i mean that's just i mean think about tens of not hundreds of millions of prayers have been offered in his behalf and and this is a part of that answer right that that he's conscious this is a miracle like i gotta be honest with you it's been a long week um after monday it was as a football player it's it's we, we put up with a lot, and, uh, and Monday was too much. And, uh, and to have DeMar responding, and I can't tell you guys, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's relieving in that way and recognizing that this is not the, the full measure of the recovery we hope, but my gosh, I, 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 it's, I, I've been waiting. Every day it's like, come on, give me some hope, and, and, and this is hope, and I'm, I'm very happy.
1: Steve, one of the things that strikes me, is seeing players and former players like yourself who've seen the whole gamut of, of things, experiences in the NFL and your days of playing football. And I'm just wondering, there's been so much focus on teams and how teams respond, but teams are made up of individuals. How, how do you get through a week like this and then go back out there? And, and, and as, a, as a quarterback who had to lead... My God, where do you start with something like individually tapping into guys and in the spirit they have or may not have for stomaching this again?
3: First of all, this is a little bit of unprecedented territory. I mean, to not go back and play. We've seen uh look, through the years, there's been a lot of really tough things that happen on the field and, and people are carted off and we keep playing. And this was uh, this was too much. I mean, it felt like Someone might have passed away on the field, and it was—I, I, we were all—and—and and I think that because of that, we need to give the space for the leaders of every team in the league, empower them, to allow for the unprecedented nature of this emotion, and then also allow for um, uh, the space to to heal. So I, I look, everybody's different, and how do you, as a leader of the team? Football, you have to be physically ready to play. I, You know, that is obvious. But you don't understand that equally you have to be able to emotionally be ready to play. And to be emotionally ready to play, that's how you, if you're going to be as safe as you can on the field, you need to be at your highest emotional readiness. And the teams that aren't, that's why teams that uh, uh, that maybe not have as much to play for this week, or uh, like that emotional readiness brings safety. And if you're not re- emotionally ready to play, you really shouldn't. And so teams need to make that individual as a leader of the team, you need to make the space. I know a number of teams allowed for uh player only meetings to be able to be vulnerable and articulate some of these uh, anxieties that people are feeling and the emotions they're feeling. And, and you got to make that space. And as a leader of the team, you got to, uh, at the end of the week, put a stake in the ground and say, look, we're going to go play or not. And as we go play, we need to be emotionally ready to go play or we shouldn't do it. And so how do we get emotionally ready to play? And that's where the art of leadership is, is knowing w- how that calculus, that three-dimensional chess that needs to be played to make sure that your team is emotionally. Otherwise, it's not. Look, the game is is risky. It's made, It's significantly more risky if you're not emotionally ready to play. Steve, to follow up on that, it seems striking to me also
1: that it's a lot more tolerant. The culture's a lot more tolerant now than say when you came into the league in the in the in the eighties, uh, in the rub some dirt on it days. It seems like there now is some room being made for some other considerations. Um, am, am I off on that?
3: No. I, I look. We used to people got hurt and had injuries, and people used to you know they were they were uh, want, you know people chuckled at it or they thought it was funny or like no one knew what 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 the damage that was being done you know in the 60s and 70s and 80s look the game has changed and the, and i think that there were some fears about safety that started about 15 years ago in the league and they've done significant things to try to make the game that is by its nature and by what makes it great in many ways is the risk uh to make it uh safer and you know uh i think that that and then be able to you know, talk about hand injuries. We, we're, The idea that we're, you know, how to make it safer and, and allowing for players to be empowered to make those choices. We have a distance to go yet. That's not that, but we're on, we're on a path, I feel like. And I think, um, you know, uh, God willing, allowing uh, DeMar to get fully recovered. I mean, that's about, about some foremost in my mind right now, all this other conversation is for another day in many ways, but, uh, but we, it'll. It, you're right. Michael, there's, there's more conversation. It's allowed in the locker room. It's sponsored by the coaches especially, but I think there are many owners in the league that are taking uh, authorship of that conversation, and I, and I appreciate that in the league. Where they're willing to, I appreciate that as well, and we need to press into it because there, we can do more. And there's no question about that. I'll
2: get you out of here on this. I'm going to go back to something that Will Bond said at the beginning, that he has and I have, we have watched former football players on television for the last couple of days and they are massively affected more than I think the rest of the general public because this is something you did for a living. When you're part of that, you're part of that culture, you see it and you feel it. This seems to be different from other things that you have seen and felt. Am I correct?
3: Yes. I think why is that when you suit up we know that there's dangers, but your life is not at risk. That's, that's what, you know, that's the calculus that you make when you put your, put your uniform on. Um, we still don't know the full measure of the assumption of the risk that we need to make as players for our head and for our brain health. We just, we don't, and we need to press into that. But I think it's different because your life shouldn't be at risk to go play football. And, uh, and I think that's why the emotion is so great. I, I found myself this week going back and re- reliving so much of the challenges and risks of the game that I watched others put their set themselves through. And um, there were some tragic things that happened in, in my 18 years uh, to others. And so it's just, in a way, this week was, a, you know, in the spirit of the healing and the prayers for Damar and his health, was also for players that have played a long time to just feel the, the risks again. And, uh, and it's emotional. It's, a, it's, a, it's, it's just is, but yet Tony, what makes the game great is, is the is the risk, you know, and being able to, that's what's why do we have such camaraderie for our teammates? Because they're at risk protecting you to, they're putting their bodies at risk to make sure that you can do your job. And there's a, there's a bond that no other sport can make. So it's there's two sides of the coin. But this week was a, uh, I don't know, uh, not a referendum, but a, uh, just a time for me. I, I found myself this week was a hard week. And as I prayed more for DeMar, I felt that spirit of camaraderie and, and brotherhood from the, from the players that play the game and thought about how to make it so that this can never happen again. How can we make the game safer? Thank you so much, Steve. Steve it's thank obviously you you know, thank you emotionally you trying and for all the
2: players. Thank you. Much love to you guys. Let's take one last break. Still to come, Texas makes a decision on the future of head basketball coach Chris Beard. And the Warriors float some good news. We need some good news about the health of Stephen Curry. Haven't you seen that, Mike? Haven't you seen the players that you watch on yes. television? Yes. Doesn't it seem like they have internalized yes. this? in a way that the rest of us cannot. Yeah, starting
1: with watching Monday night with Booger.
0: Playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the hypnotic team. Every season is hypnotic and tequila season. Hypnotic liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely.
2: Happy time, people. Happy 98th birthday, Louis Carneseca. Louis was at the center of the rise of the Big East when he coached St. John's. Among the people who coached around him were John Thompson, Jim Beheim, Roly Massimino, Jim Calhoun, Rick Pitino, and Gary Williams, all of whom won the national championship somewhere. Louis coached at St. John's from 1965 to 1992, taking a three-year break to coach the New York Nets of the ABA. Louis took St. John's with Chris Mullin to the Final Four in 1985. One of the most charming moments in Big East history was when John Thompson walked into Madison Square Garden wearing the same ugly sweater that Louis always wore.
1: (laughs) What a moment, Tony. I once got stuck in a snowstorm in Jamaica, Queens doing a piece on Chris Mullen for the Washington Post. I wasn't going to get out. I wasn't going to get home. Louis Karnas passed me on the face and says, get in the car, get in the car. And he and the late great Catholic Quinn drove me to LaGuardia. How's that for
2: a good Louis story? It's really nice. Happy anniversary, Bill Cowher. On this day 16 years ago at the shockingly young age of 49, Cowher stepped down as head coach of the Steelers after 15 seasons and a Super Bowl title. Cowher's successor, Mike Tomlin, is now 50, one year older than Cowher was when he retired. Years later, Cowher would explain that he accomplished everything he wanted as a coach. Since 1969, a span of 54 years, the Steelers have had only three head coaches, Chuck Knoll, Cowher, and Tomlin, all of whom have won Super Bowls. Cowra went from the sideline to the pregame show at CBS, and he has remained there. You
1: promised our viewers for 15 years that Cowra was coming back. I saw you say to yeah. Bill Cowra one night at a black tie dinner in Washington. I don't believe this. You have to come back. Well, you want to apologize he didn't, he didn't
2: now? didn't come back. He didn't come back. I'm, I'm sorry He's he didn't come in back. Happy Tom trails to 27 seconds too. in last night's Grizzlies-Hornets game. The Memphis Grizzlies were in the process of crushing Charlotte last night leading by 29 points late in the third quarter when Memphis slowly bounced the ball inbounds. It came to rest near John Moran to let it sit there and sit there and sit there. Game clock was running, but the 24-second clock doesn't start until someone touches the ball inbounds. Neither does the half-court violation clock. Morant was in position to resume the game, but he chose not to when the Hornets were on the other side of the court preparing to play defense. So 27 seconds that we will never get back just disappeared
1: yeah I, despite some occasional immaturity issues they're growing they're evolving memphis is going to be in the western
2: conference finals tony i feel fairly certain of that we also want to note the news that texas fired head basketball coach chris beard this afternoon the school had suspended beard without pay last month after he was charged with felony family domestic violence and specifically assault by strangulation or suffocation mm. following mm. an altercation with his fiance. if we could go the big finish quickly you don't have much time The bulls beat the nets last night then their 12 game heater your reaction this is the bulls move beat the best teams in the league
1: lose to the worst georgetown has lost a record big east record 25
2: games in a row your thoughts tom it's over there it's over the warriors will reevaluate steph curry on saturday hope he can return next friday you surprised
1: greatly surprised they need wiggins back too if they're gonna make a real run but i'm glad to hear good news connor bedard future Blackhawk. Goal and assist can Canada beat the U.S. in their World Juniors. You impressed?
2: Well, yeah, he's got like 25 points in three games. Something ridiculous. Last one, top right Purdue at number 24 Ohio State. Who you got tonight, Mr. Big Ten? I got
1: back-to-back losses for Purdue. They're going to they're gonna lose in Columbus time. Really? We're out of time. We'll try and do better the next time. And I'm Tony Kornheiser. I'm Mike Wilbon. Same time tomorrow, Knuckleheads. Here's Sports in
0: can you remember the last time you had fun on a bike ride? Electric E-Bikes, the number one seller of E-Bikes in America, is here to bring fun and joy back to biking. Their riders routinely say they feel like kids again riding these bikes, and one even said, quote, I'm a 46-year-old man and can honestly say I haven't had this much fun on a bike since I was 10 years old, Unquote. These E-Bikes from Electric are fast, up to 28 miles per hour. They offer lightweight and foldable e-bikes, so you can easily take them on the go to explore national parks, campgrounds, and more. Even if you don't have a truck, trailer, or bike rack, many of their models will fit in the trunk of a car. They also offer long-range batteries that provide over 65 miles of range, so you can explore further and longer. Head over to electricebikes.com today and take their bike quiz to find a model that's perfect for your needs. That's L-E-C-T-R-I-C ebikes.com.